Welcome back to the All In Podcast. Pastor Tim Aiken here. Uh, I have the privilege of being the pastor here at First Baptist Church, Douglasville. And uh, so thankful for the All In Podcast. We're just going to go ahead and jump right in tonight. And so essentially what we're doing, uh, really for the next several weeks, is we are piggybacking off of what we're doing on Sunday mornings. And again, our, our theme this whole year is going all in with Jesus, with His church, and with His mission. And right now on Sunday mornings, during our Sunday morning service, we're in the midst of a sermon series on relationships. How is it that we follow and pursue God's design for the most important relationships of our life? And so this past Sunday, we talked about what does healthy relationships in the church look like? How do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ in the same way that Jesus Christ loved us? And the verse that we, the two verses that we looked at this past Sunday, came from John chapter 13. So if you want to get your Bible out or, or turn your Bible on, you can. We're going to look at it, several different Bible verses this evening. But John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 are written by the apostle John. He's known as the apostle, the disciple whom Jesus loved. In fact, he's been called the expert or the apostle of love. He talks a lot about it in the Gospel of John. He talks a lot about it in one of his letters to Christians called 1 John. But here in John chapter 13, you have this intimate scene where Jesus is with his disciples. He is preparing them for what life is to be like, how they are to live, how they are to love one another once he goes back into heaven. He has just finished getting on his hands and knees and washing their feet. And then he says this to his disciples, John 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And this is the new part of the commandment. He says, you are to love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And of course, we know that his love for his disciples is going to take on an even greater, even more significant meaning after his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection. Then he says, this will be the result, verse 35. He says, if you love one another, if the disciples will love each other, if brothers and sisters in Christ, if Christians will love each other, he says, this will be the result, verse 35. By this, all... People, those in the church, those outside the church, Christians and non-Christians alike, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, as I read this passage of Scripture, I'm reminded of how thankful I am to be the pastor of this incredible, incredible church. I mean, God has blessed this church with an amazing history and an amazing legacy. We talk about this all the time because I don't want any of us to ever forget this. Our church began all the way back in 1875. That means that our church is resilient. Our church has made it through now through two pandemics. Our church has made it through two world wars. Our church has made it through a great Depression, our church has made it through so many struggles and through God's and by God's grace and by the incredible faith and 
faithfulness of so many men and women before us. We get to stand on the shoulders of giants. And I'm so thankful for the incredible legacy of this church. I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity to simply be the fourth pastor in the life of this amazing church since 1958. And recent studies have said that the average pastor stays at a Southern Baptist church for about 18 months. I'm just the fourth pastor since 1958, which means this is a church that has a history. This is a church that has a legacy. This is a church that has a pattern of loving their pastors well. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I get to follow a man named Dr. John Pennington. Dr. Pennington became the pastor here in 1990, pastor of this church faithfully for 27 years. It was under his leadership that this church grew to the largest amount ever. It was under his leadership that this church baptized thousands and thousands. It was under his leadership that this church moved from our original location on Church Street all the way over here in 2000. The, the walls were bursting at the seams under his incredible leadership. He was such a faithful pastor. In fact, Dr. Payton is such an encouragement to me that he sends me a text message every single Sunday to let me know that he's praying for me and he's encouraging me and he's supporting me. I'm so thankful that we get to build on this incredible legacy. Part of this incredible legacy is that we've got a church that is full of love and a church that is full of unity. When I think about this verse of loving one another, I'm reminded of how much this church loves each other. I'm reminded of how often we have members of this church praying for each other, going to funerals for one another, visiting each other in the hospital, taking each other meals, bearing each other's burdens. We have a church that loves well. You know, when COVID-19 hit in March of last year, I'll just be very honest with you, as the pastor of this church, I became very nervous. I became very nervous that COVID-19, that all the politics that we were going through, that all the racial tension we were going through, that all the social unrest that we were going through was going to bring our church apart. That was going to cause disunity in our church. In fact, we are in Atlanta. Atlanta was really a hotbed of tension and controversy during, during last year. I was very nervous. I didn't know how our church was going to respond. I truly mean this. I really believe that our church is even more unified today in April of 2021 than it was even in March of 2020. God has been so faithful to create unity and love in the life of our church. I'm so thankful for a unified church, a church that is focused on the gospel. In fact, I think that we are even better off if I'm allowed to say that even after the pandemic. Here's why. It reminded all of us of what truly matters. It, it, it reminded us of just how thankful we are to be able to see our family, be able to see our children, be able to see our grandchildren, how thankful we are to be able to come to church and just to see our friends and to study the Bible and to sing songs to the Lord and to pray together and to worship our good and great and glorious God. It reminds us of how thankful we are just to have life in our lungs. I'm so thankful for the incredible love and unity of our church. And then as I read this verse, John 13, verse 35, Jesus says, By this they will know that you are my disciples if you love one 
Another, I'm thankful for our church's mission. Thankful for our church's vision. Let's see, the mission, the vision of our church, the mission of our church is that we exist to glorify God by making disciples and proclaiming His uh, gospel throughout the world. We exist as a church to rescue the perishing and to care for the dying. And here Jesus says, if you want to rescue the perishing, if you want to care for the dying, then you must love one another. If you want to reach the people in your community that are going to die and spend eternity away from me, you have to love one another. If you want to bring marriages together that are being ripped apart, you have to love one another. If you want to care for the orphan and for the widow, you have to love one another. If you want to impact the homosexual and the drug addict, you have to love one another. He says that is your missional strategy. If we will love one another, the world will look at that and the world will say, I want more of that. The world will say, I'm broken, I'm beaten, I'm wounded, I'm hurting. And the church will say, well, come here and we will love you. Jesus says, you want to reach a lost and dying world for me. Love one another. So how do we love one another? Well, well, if you were here on Sunday, if you listened to the message on Sunday, I preached half of it. I left the other half behind and just essentially spoke from my heart. I've been in ministry now for over 15 years, been preaching week in and week out on Sundays for the last decade. Never before in the last 10 years of my preaching ministry have I ever done what I did on Sunday. Never before have I left out half of an entire sermon. I'm very structured. I'm very outlined. I, I manuscript the whole thing out. And I pray that I left half of it out because of, because of the fact that I was sensitive to the Holy Spirit because I believe that God had put something on my heart that I wanted to share with our church family. And I'm just so burdened by the brokenness in our community, by the brokenness in our world, I want to see our church make a difference. I want to see our church reach the lost for Jesus. And Jesus said one of the ways you do it is that you love one another. So here's the part I did not preach on Sunday. Here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would put it. So how do we love one another well? How do Christians, how do brothers and sisters in the, in the church, how do we love each other well so the lost and dying world will see that? And so I just want to give four simple instructions this evening straight from God's Word. They come right from the Bible. In fact, these come from what are often called the one another's of the Christian life. As you read through the New Testament, the New Testament writers instruct Christians on how to live out their Christian faith, how to live out their Christian life, how to behave and act toward one another. They say this is how Christians should interact, and these are called the one another. There's many of them. I'm just going to give you four of them this evening. And if we live out these one another's, this is how we love each other according to what Jesus is saying here, John chapter 13, verse 35. So the first way we love one another is we bear one another's burdens. We're going to see this in just a moment in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. We want to love each other? Well, we bear each other's burdens. This is the supreme imitation of Jesus 
who is the ultimate burden bearer. Jesus is the one that bore the burden of our sins on the cross. This is why Paul, the apostle, says this. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And what this looks like is this simply means that we as Christians... We come alongside of another brother or sister in Christ and we help them to carry the physical and the emotional and the relational, the mental and the spiritual load that is in their life that is threatening to crush them. And when we do this, we love others by fulfilling the law of Christ. The law of Christ simply is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So this means that we love our brothers and sisters in the church by walking through their depression with them, by coming alongside of them and giving them our prayers and our presence when they experience the death of a loved one, by supporting them and contributing to them and helping them through the loss of a job. When they receive that cancer diagnosis, we give them a shoulder to cry on. When their finances are falling apart, we provide for them. When they are getting defeated by sinful temptation, we provide encouragement and accountability. We provide counseling. We provide healing. We walk with them so closely that we literally help them carry the burden. See, a community, a church defined by love is a community where your burden is also my burden. Second way we love one another is we simply encourage one another. We're going to see this in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. And personal encouragement is such an incredible motivator. Encouragement is a much more powerful motivator than guilt, or fear, or shame. Especially when the encouragement comes from someone that we know, someone that we love, someone that we trust, and someone that we respect. See, when you know that someone loves you, when you know they want what's best for you and that they are there to support you, no matter what, that encourages you. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says, Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. He says, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the return of Jesus, drawing near. The author here is encouraging Christians essentially to bring out the best in one another, not the worst. He instructs us to actively and to verbally stir up one another to love and to good works. So when we choose to go out of our way to babysit someone else's kids, or we take them a meal when they are sick or in the hospital, when we drive several hours away to go to a funeral of a loved one of theirs, when we lend them some money when they are in need, or we simply pick up the phone and we call them or text them when we know they are struggling, we stir them up, we encourage them. A third way we love each other is we pray for one another. Now, we pray real prayers. We pray prayers that are focused in faith. In fact, here's what's going to happen in James chapter 5. We're going to read verse 16 in a moment. 
But in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, James is talking about prayer. And as he's talking about prayer, he is challenging and urging Christians to pray in faith, meaning to believe that God is going to be faithful and that God is going to answer their prayers according to His good and to His perfect will. And what James says in verse 16 of James 5 is very interesting. For there he says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The context here is that there are individuals, Christians, that need healing both physical healing and spiritual healing. And so Paul, uh, James says, okay, the answer is you need prayer. But he's telling us that sometimes confession in the church is needed before true healing can actually take place. Sometimes the reason we're struggling spiritually, maybe even physically, is because there are unconfessed sins in our life. And he says, you've got to confess these to one another and ask them to pray for you. But I think we are often hesitant in the church to confess our sins to others because we might think that they might judge us. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's true. I know as a man, as men, we think that sometimes confessing our sins makes us sound weak. Perhaps we don't trust the other person to keep our secret. Perhaps we don't want to feel vulnerable. But James says we have to to do this, he says, we must confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. Again, oftentimes, confession is needed before true healing can actually take place, especially if we are spiritually weak because of our own sins. This means that if you are struggling with hidden sins that no one else can see, and if you choose to keep those sins hidden and in the dark, those sins will become silent killers. They will eat you alive and nobody will know and nobody will be able to help you. Before you realize it, you will be spiritually weak and malnourished. So please do not do this. Please confess your sins before it is too late. We must, as Christians, have repentant hearts that cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness. And it's best to do this in a community of faith around brothers and sisters that love us, that bear our burdens, and that encourage us. Fourth and final way to love each other in the church is to be hospitable to one another. That's a one another. That's a command in the Bible. This is a way that Christians are to love each other. And we know that hospitality was greatly valued in the first century Greco-Roman world. In fact, I would argue hospitality has been honored in every single culture around the world in every single generation. Everyone wants the feeling of hospitality. So this is why Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, he writes to Christians, and here's what he says to them. He says, show or offer hospitality to, and here it is, one another. And then he adds a caveat, without grumbling. This means that we must be an inviting church. Again, we talked about this on Sunday, but remember Jesus, when he invited Peter and Andrew, these two brothers, to follow him. 
he, they were fishermen. And he said to them, come and follow me. He said, and then I will make you to be fishers of men. This means as fishers of men that we love others by inviting them into this loving community that's called the church. We also must be a welcoming church. When people step foot into our, onto our campus and they enter into our building and they drop off their children and they attend your Sunday school class or your Bible study, and when they join us for service, we must go out of our way to make them feel as if they belong, to make them feel they are in the right place, that they are wanted. We must be a church to quote the theme song from Cheers. We must be a church where everybody knows your name. I was recently told by a pastor who's been pastoring for 30 plus years. He said, look, if a new person at your church does not meet at least seven people in the first six months they are there, they will not stay. So we as a church, we as Christians at First Baptist Church, Douglasville, we must go out of our way to be a church that is hospitable to one another. We must feel like we belong with each other. The power of the gospel is the Bible says that each and every one of us are orphans. Each and every one of us have been enemies of God. Each and every one of us were at odds with God. Each and every one of us were called children of wrath. But God in His grace and God in His mercy sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world and through His perfect life and His sacrifice, death on the cross and His glorious resurrection. Jesus Christ is inviting you. He's inviting me to be part of His loving family called the church. And when we repent of our sin and when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He pulls us in. He lifts us up. He gives us a new home. We are living in a world. We are living right here in a community full of brokenness. People that are hurting. People that are devastated. People that have been abused. They've been pushed down. They've been beaten up. They've been run over. They've been manipulated. They've been betrayed. They've been stabbed in the back. And they are hurting. They want a place to belong. And if you and I want to snatch the world from the flames of the fire of hell, if we want to rescue the perishing, Jesus says, let the world see that you love one another. We love one another simply because Jesus first loved us. Church family, I love you. I count it an honor to be your pastor. I'm praying for you. Pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week and look forward to seeing you next week on the All In Podcast.